Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Aristotle's work, The Categories, only really begins discussing the categories in chapter 4 and then in the chapters that follow, where some of the categories receive a good bit of analysis, particularly the ones early on in this list, less so the ones later on in, in the list. They will get more discussion in other works. Now, what is Aristotle talking about as categories here? So I think that for somebody coming to Aristotle for the first time or, you know, perhaps as a, still a beginner, it's probably useful to get rid of whatever conception you have of category that you're bringing to it. Because, you know, we're looking at his meaning of the term, which he's going to tell us in just a moment. And we're not trying to make sense of it in terms of our own, now notice I'm going to make a little pun here, our own categories, right? When we say we're categorizing things, we're putting them into selections. That would actually be more similar to what the Greeks called the process of composition and division, dividing things into classes, making distinctions. Here what we're talking about is something that has to do with language and has to do with thought, but also has to do with what language and thought are saying about being, about reality. And Aristotle begins this section by saying we're talking about uncombined terms. Now, what does he mean by that? Simply that we're, we're talking about terms that have not been combined into larger statements. So these by themselves are neither true nor false. You have to combine them with something. For example, when it comes to the category of passion, and we have this term, you know, is cut, right? If you say that my tie is cut, which I suppose is true in a trivial sense, since of course it was cut here and cut here and, you know, presumably at one time, you could say that it's cut. That, then, then you've got a true statement. But you notice you've got two terms, tie and this is cut. And the term is cut is in this category of what Aristotle is calling passion or suffering or undergoing. And we'll come to that in a moment. Even saying, you know, just the word human being or horse it's not actually a true or false statement until you say this is a human being, true statement, or this is a horse, false statement, right? So we're dealing with uncombined terms. You might say terms on their own in their native environment before they start combining with, with other things. Of course, you know, language does combine them, right? Now, Aristotle talks about these as ways of speaking about things or ways of speaking. He uses the, the verb legain there, which means to, to talk, to speak, to say. So the other thing that he says there that's important is that these are significant. He uses the verb semainen, which is a word that we get coming from the word for sign, right? When we have a sign, a sign is a sign of something. So you could say, well, what is this tie a sign of? Well, it's, it's part of the traditional bourgeois lecturing thing. If I want to show that I'm more a man of the people, maybe I take the tie off, but it also conveys a kind of seriousness. All those things are signifying, right? So 
all of that said now, because we want to get into these actual categories, what we're talking about here are significative ways of speaking. And he has categorized them into main ways in which things do, in fact, signify. What is it that they are signifying? And we'll use some other examples besides his as well after we go through his own examples. But let's look first at the 10 and then we'll look at the examples. So we have substance or usia in Greek. We have quantity, poson. Number is another way of thinking about it or magnitude is sometimes how it's translated. Quality, poion there. Relation or being related to something else, being, you might say, connected with something else, having your meaning in terms of something else. Prosti, place, pu. Time, or the place could also mean like, you know, location is how it's translated. Time, pota, the when. Position, this one's a little bit harder to translate. The case time, it's also sometimes translated as condition or posture. You'll see why in a, in a bit. State, another one that's very difficult to translate. Echen, coming from the verb to have hold. And finally, these two correlatives, action or doing, poyen, and passion or suffering or undergoing, paschen. So we've got all of these. And as I mentioned before, these are given much more of an extensive treatment here in the categories than these other ones are by Aristotle. As a matter of fact, each of these is going to get its own lengthy discussion in its own chapter, whereas these kind of get left out a bit. Why is that? Well, in some respect, these are more primary, although he doesn't go into that in great detail here. That's more in the metaphysics. Now, substance is definitely the most primary. The substance, the usia, is that which the thing is. What makes the thing the thing? that kind of thing you could say. So he has an example of human being, anthropos, right? Which gets translated as man, but it really just means human being. Horse, hippos. These are the sorts of things that we call substances. Piece of chalk, arguably a substance. Tie, arguably a substance. Hair on my head, possibly, although that's really more something that belongs to me. So perhaps if you consider the hair insofar as it's cut off my head and like perhaps made into a wig, it's more treated as a substance. But in a, in a lot of ways, you might say the hair of Dr. Sadler is really a kind of a relation, isn't it? When you've got that of. So substance is going to be a very important category. When we're using that category, when we're naming things like that, we are naming things that are. We're not naming things that are thereby, you know, in respect of how we're naming them dependent upon something else. This is the way Aristotle understands it. So shoulder is the shoulder of a person, right? But person is a substance. I think that's relatively clear. Let's talk about quantity. This is one that people can get quite mixed up on and we'll be doing uh, another discussion of this about you know, precisely what he means about number or quantity and how it's different than relation in a little bit. So quantity, he has examples like two cubits long or three cubits in length. By the way, a cubit is a measure that we don't use anymore, arm length maybe. I suppose with shorter people, it would be closer to what we now call a foot, maybe. <laughs> I don't really know these ancient means of measurement that I'm not an anatomist, so couldn't tell you. But the idea is that it's some number 
that then can be used to talk about something else. And so, you know, two qubits long, you don't actually have to refer to anything to do that. If you're combining it and you're saying, my arm is two qubits long, which I don't think it is, now you've got a false statement, right? Or if you say, I have three pieces of chalk in my hand. There are three pieces of chalk. You get the general idea, right? We're talking about the number there of those pieces of chalk. This piece of chalk is longer than this piece of chalk or greater in quantity than this piece. Now we're actually talking about relation. We're not actually talking about quantity. And Aristotle is going to clarify that for us in a later discussion about quantity itself. Quality. This is one to which Aristotle devotes a lot of discussion. There is more than one way for something to be a quality. As a matter of fact, he's going to pick out four distinct ways in a later chapter. So the poion, the how something is. Notice the examples that he's using for this, which seem to be fairly neutral. White, perhaps predicated of, of skin. Pink would probably be better for my skin, but we use the term white. The white chalk, the whiteness of the book, which is really more of a cream color. I suppose it's a sort of yellow, but you get the sense anyway. Green, brown, you know, as far as my hair goes, long is a quality. The other one that he has, grammatical. This could be said about knowledge, you know, the knowledge that is grammar, right? It could also be said of the person who has grammar, who possesses it and can use it like I'm talking to you, you know, and you presumably are understanding what I'm saying. It might also be said of, say, a composition that, you know, the composition itself is grammatical. We, we can make sense of it. And qualities admit of a more and less as opposed to substance, which does not, right? Something is a substance or it's not a substance. Quantity has a more or less, so to speak, but generally in terms of relation, quantity just is what it is. Quality can be all sorts of things. So we can talk about, as Aristotle is going to later on, moral qualities like goodness or badness, right? A good person, a bad person, a good act, a bad act. As a matter of fact, this is a bit of a side note, but goodness is actually predicated in all of these categories. Let's talk about relation now. This one is a little bit more tricky, I think, for people to make sense of, but it's actually quite simple once you, once you grasp it. So to be in relation, Greek here is prosti. In, you know, you might say it's literally towards another, but think of it as, as connected with another. So half and double are correlative terms. If I use the term half, I'm saying half, and then you say half of what, right? Double, double of what? Notice that those are, are quantitative terms, but this is in the category of relation because it requires a reference to something else that has not yet been supplied, right? Greater, greater and lesser are actually terms that fall into the category of relation and are not into the uh, category of number or quantity. That may seem a little counterintuitive at first, but, but it, it, it makes sense if you think about it. You can't really talk about a greater without saying what it is greater than. And the ancients ran into all sorts of interesting puzzles with this sort of thing where Plato would talk about the greater itself and then maybe, you know, would the greater itself be lesser than anything? Well, then it wouldn't be the greater itself. This leads to all sorts of predicaments. And Aristotle's trying to avoid that by saying, no, no, this is a relative term. 
We'll talk much more about that later on. Place, location, poo in Greek. This is literally asking the question, poo? Where is it, right? In the Lyceum, he uses as an example, the Lyceum was the place where Aristotle eventually taught. Uh, it was not a place that he owned, by the way, because Aristotle was not a Greek, or he was not an Athenian citizen, so he could not own that, which is interesting. You could, in the category of relationship, the Lyceum of Aristotle did not mean that Aristotle owned the Lyceum. It's not that term. It meant that he taught there, right? Anyway, place. We can predicate this. He uses the example as well of in the market marketplace in the agora. There's many other things we could talk about as examples. Time, pota, again asking when. When did this happen? Yesterday, last year, five minutes from now. When you're watching this video in the eternal present of YouTube. Some, that would bear some metaphysical examination sometime. So time is, is also a category. And you might say, well, why aren't these reducible to quantity or relation? Aristotle considers them to be distinct. And this is characteristic of his metaphysics. Whereas other accounts might reduce place, space, time, to just relationships and numbers. But Aristotle doesn't work at it that way. Here we get to two that are a little bit trickier. And here you might be tempted to say, well, why aren't these just matters of relation or matters of perhaps quality? So position, case side. This, as opposed to all these other terms, usia is a noun. These other things are themselves either question words or I suppose you could say they're, they're a type of, in these cases, adjective. These are verbs. As a matter of fact, all of the ones that follow are verbs. Case time is the passive, meaning to be set down, to be, to be placed, right? And in Greek, it can also be the middle where you place yourself down. So when you think about it, where you put yourself, right? He has the examples of lying or sitting, standing, walking, could all be matters of position, where things are being located. And we could talk about that in a sense with, you know, like articles of clothing as well. This is around my neck. This shirt is covering my chest and arms, right? State. Here we get to something quite interesting because when we're talking about clothing, Aristotle frames it in terms of the person who's wearing clothing, right? State, echen, comes from the verb to have or to hold, or sometimes can be used as to contain or, or to be in a certain condition over time sometimes even to exist, but it's not being meant in this sense. So think of a substance and what that substance actually has. We're talking about shod, meaning wearing shoes. Now, you know, for many of us, we wear shoes all the time. It was probably a little bit less of a taken for granted in ancient Greece. Arm, carrying, you know, shield and spear and, and maybe wearing armor or something like that. These are ways in which something is. And so state perhaps is not the best translation, but we don't have any really great other translation. The condition that it's in because of what it has, you might think of it that way. Finally, we get to these other verbs, action and passion. And Aristotle uses two correlative terms here. Actually, poiene and passene are already correlative terms. One thing does something, another thing is done to or suffers what is done to it. Cuts is cut. Burns is burned, right? One thing is the thing that does it. The other thing is the thing that undergoes it. So, you know, teaches, learns speaks, 
hears. Well, hearing is actually an activity. Speaks is spoken to would be the better correlative, right? And notice that these are, these are much more verbal than these sorts of things. Although these can also be turned into verbs, you know, lying is a adjective in our way of thinking about things. To lie would be, or to lay, I suppose, I always get those two mixed up depending on you know where they're supposed to be, would be a verb that corresponds to it, right? But these are definitely verbs, acting and, and suffering. So we have these 10 different categories, 10 different ways of saying something, not yet about something else, because they're still uncombined terms, but they're, you might say, ready-made for saying something about something else. And why is it so important to distinguish between these? Well, if we don't, we tend to mix them up with each other and we wind up in all sorts of paradoxes and confusions. If we do distinguish them from, from each other and we understand how we're actually using language, that actually helps us out quite a bit. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.